0: Uh, you interrupted elton oh that's Mm. a heinous crime to do that good morning good afternoon good evening good overnight i am anthony price
1: and i'm jonathan bradley good morning good afternoon good evening good overnight
0: i want to send you a picture which i didn't want to send you until we were recording
1: oh is it, it's not one of those ones you normally send me, is it?
0: Well, funny you because should I'm mention that. Not um,
1: sure I'm ready for that at this, this particular time.
0: I'm about to send you a gra- gra- graphical form of our download <laughs> for the last seven days. Okay. And our listeners are obviously being smutty with us. Have, have a look at this. It's just. Oh my God, that's a spike. It is, but if you click on the image.
1: Okay, I'm clicking on. Oh. Oh. I see. Per- <laughs> Well, what can I say?
0: Mm. We we have a, a, ba- a phallic listener base. That is extraordinary. That's quite a peak. It is. It is. And well, and a couple of extra peaks. It's yeah, interesting. Essentially dear listener, our wonderful downloads has created a drawing of a penis and a pair of testicles. Is that fair? Did,
1: did you have to spell it out, Ant? Because I think the listeners probably got where we were coming
0: from. Global, Just a hunch. Global Leadership Podcast at gmail.com. Do tell us whether you thought we were talking about a penis in our download numbers.
1: <sighs> exactly. Um well I'm glad that you have the balls to spell these things out. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I've been I've been long
0: in the game for this. Well,
1: I've always always made the assumption that the listener will be able to work these things out probably faster than you and me.
0: Probably. Now, interestingly, with with us using um, subtle terminology, this week we have a really interesting podcast about cliches. Um, And, um, you know, um, without going into the weeds on this one, in a minute we're going to talk about some management bullshit. But in the meantime, before we go any further, I think it is very important that we spend just a couple of minutes updating the listeners on JB's new studio, shed, office, empire, castle in his backyard. What's the latest?
1: Uh, right. Okay. So at the moment, I've got three walls. Mm. And I today, actually, um, I'm putting in a window and um, beginning to put some insulation in. I'm putting sound insulation, thermal insulation in and it's getting quite... You can actually really see the structure of it now, as you know, Ant, because I have sent you some photos. Mm. Um, the base is holding uh, with all these little concrete uh, things that are made out of cake tins, like little sand pies, uh, and put these adjustable pedestals on top of those because I, I had to overcome a height difference of over three feet This, listeners, is such a challenge when you're trying to create a 12 by 10 stable base for quite a big studio. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's ever going to get any design awards, but it's working and I'm quite excited. Once you've built a shed, I don't think there's any going back.
0: Frankly, To, to what? inside or you're then going to have a bug for doing more well
1: uh i've had a few requests from people um, well, you could do that or you can you do one for me as well so um who knows this could be a whole new line of additional business for me uh building people's sheds in the back garden hmm i don't know i quite enjoy it I don't know whether the listeners are like this but i I quite like using my brain uh occasionally you know I like I like pushing my brain a bit and doing lots of learning uh, learning new stuff but what I've missed a lot in recent years uh, because I've been so busy with with the brain uh, I haven't had a chance to do anything with my hands so uh I really quite like using my hands to build stuff and so uh to me d- jumping in and out of the shed uh reading books writing a book uh building a shed i am on fire and i'm on fire i'm i'm, I'm more energized than i have been for years because i'm i'm using every part of myself interesting and I, I don't know what you know i i think there's a lesson there for me which is um you know, do your work and work and learn, but also uh, be physical, use your hands, um, because I find it incredibly stimulating and, and brain challenging, actually, building the shed, getting it level, getting the, the levels right, getting the uprights in, um, getting the measurements all sorted and the design. It's all It's all quite exciting. You see, I, I won't f- bore the list listeners anymore now.
0: No, the, the fact that you said you were on fire, I thought was more to do with the fact that you'd burnt your leg on your, on your barbecue, to be honest. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> well, I actually was on fire yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago. and um,
0: Which is why we're recording so very early today, to allow JB to go and be to have his oozing addressed.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's probably, it's, it's a, a really stupid thing. I had two fires going. One was a barbecue. 3D. I know. And the other was a chimenea. And do, they were very close to each other. And I get very focused when I'm barbecuing. It's another one of my funny things. And uh, anyway, I was so intensely looking at that, I was distracted and walked back into the chimenea. And um, there there was sizzling in the barbecue and there was then sizzling on the chimney and then it was my leg and it wasn't pretty at all. But can I just I am I'm not going to say any more about this, except I want to give the listeners um, some guidance, because if anything like that happens to you uh, and you have a burn, get it in water uh, or get water on it running for at least 25 minutes. 25 minutes because the nurse was not happy with me because i just put a dirty old mop on it um, in the garden and um, <laughs> she was she was furious and she said next time you do this uh, make sure that you have it get it in the bath or something and get water on it for 25 minutes at least so that's some guidance yeah. that i'm happy to share for next time i do it
0: yeah well I, this is a hopefully an educational podcast for all sorts of things but i never realized we'd go into medical advice
1: <clears throat> well i think we've only just started there's so much more we could go down on that one
0: well um for the listeners other update before we get into the crux of the matter we have um <clears throat> as we as it stands we found in your house um, I'm not going to say any more on it until we've exchanged contracts <laughs> because um, we have been here twice before. Um, but it looks touch wood relatively positive because they have nothing to sell. Sorry, no, they're not buying anything um, and they're looking for a quick completion. So fingers crossed, as we have nothing to sell, we should be easy. Um, subject to the banks not saying, actually we've changed our minds because of COVID, we're not lending anymore. But we'll see. Um, well, I think you'll, I think you'll be fine. A man of your caliber, wow. stature. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. Thanks, thanks, JB. I appreciate it.
1: Um, so, what are we going to be talking about today,
0: Ant? Well, we we have a, a a nice dose of of listener questions to do at the end of this week's episode. Oh, there is six um, to wow. to to chew our way through, which is nice. Um, but um, we will be covering that. And of course, ladies and gents, we do value your questions. Um, uh, Globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com is the email. You can also now find us, we have a LinkedIn page. Um, if you search Global Leadership Podcast, we currently have, I think, three followers. Um, well, I haven't promoted it before. I don't, don't think you have. I've, actually, I've, I've, I've shared one of the, the first posts on my LinkedIn. Um, but me wow. and JB is an administrator, but the, but the blank look on his face suggests he's yet to visit. The page that um, he, he administrates.
1: (laughs) That I Mm -hmm. co-author. Right. I better do that. I better get my head around that. Well, particularly we've only got three, three listeners or whatever they are on LinkedIn. LinkedIn did it in person. Yeah.
0: To be fair, don't forget, I only launched it two weeks ago. So, and we've not promoted it. I just did it because I thought we needed to have the logo and things on there. So there we go. Anyway. Yeah. um, But you can, via that page, submit questions to us. And we will, of course, attempt to answer them each week as we will do this week with the six wonderful and there's some good questions this week actually but I'll I'll save those for the end but today dear listeners um, we um, wanted to run some concepts past you um, or um, uh, uh, we want to give you some low-hanging fruit to take away we want to peel back the layers of onions we want to square the circle with you we want to help reinvent the wheel and we want to break down those silos in the world of management bullshit.
1: So we're moving forward, as they say.
0: Yeah, we're pushing the envelope. We're moving JP.
1: forward. Yeah. Pushing the envelope. Brilliant. Does anyone know what we're talking about?
0: I, I, I don't know. Are you playing hardball? <laughs> <I've> got... <laughs> Keep firing them at me.
1: <laughs> Why do we use these ridiculous terms and phrases in management
0: I reflected on this before we started recording and I know we were debating what the topic should be this week but I imagine some will listen to this some with their head in their hands going that is my boss or worse still oh my goodness that is me um, I think we're all guilty of adopting ones I think if I was to answer it really simplistically, I don't think it is intentionally designed to be making me sound smart. And if it is, then you are a real dickhead of a manager. (laughs) But I do think that people recognize the value of metaphors to simplify what they're trying to say without sounding too simple. So they adopt these metaphors, such as playing hardball or going to reach out. Um, to i guess i don't know it's tricky
1: well um i i just wonder um i mean i've noticed and in having been in several corporate situation settings at, at a senior level i noticed that whatever the leader uh says you know, their cliches, their terms, their words, and their mannerisms uh, is adopted by the senior leadership team. And then it then you it starts sort of appearing in other parts of the organization. So if, for example, you had a CEO, uh, that just said all the time, uh, we're data driven, we're a data driven company. Uh, then everyone else is going to start um, saying the same sort of thing. You know, if they're, if they're like a little cliche, you know, it's a win-win, um, and they use ROI, for example, in everything. Uh, these these things um, actually uh, become incredibly repetitive uh, and actually quite dull after a while when people only talk about ROI. An ROI is a good example because what it gives off to anyone in the organization is that this CEO is only interested in the business performance, not necessarily the development of its people. There we are. How is that for controversial to get us underway? I mean, I might not be wrong. I might not be right, rather, but it's just a sort of thing that pisses me off when yeah. You know these words get overused.
0: It, it's almost like a child that's learnt a new word that keeps repeating it um, because they know it gets a reaction. And I think in the eyes of a leader, they pick up this new phrase and they think, "I like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that." I think actually that's really useful. Um, and um, I think they then use it so much sometimes the meaning that they thought was their intention would be misinterpreted by the people receiving that communication and furthermore the people that know you're using it will eventually start calling out it those office skeptics that think you're just a bullshitter they will they'll start to call it out um i guess the problem is you've got a relatively, as we were talking about with Ian Dale last week, by the way, great episode, big downloads, super duper. Um, I think the problem is you've got quite politically polarized workplaces, as we talked about last last week. And if we um, if we overuse this management bullshit, people will think we're becoming a politician, and that can be quite divisive in itself. If you're trying to make a point, and I I, I made some notes um, in the US. They call it babble speak, by the way. Um, rather than management bs uh, i think it is bs oh, I like think, that. But, but there you go um, uh, um, you know such and such will take the lead on this um we need a best practices program um ecosystems um uh, the list is the list is really endless to be honest but but i i think um there is sometimes a confidence issue because the leader perhaps isn't either convinced of what they're trying to say themselves, and therefore cover it with metaphors, cliches, um, babble speak, to help push their point home. And I don't think that is a babble speak in itself, is it? I don't think so. <laughs> um, and and there is a there is perhaps a self confidence issue potentially at play. I, I worry about saying that because in itself, a listener listening to this podcast that likes to use management cliches might feel pretty pissed off that I'm calling out their competence, which is not my intent.
1: Have you ever managed the optics? <laughs> what you mean, the ROI? Um, <laughs> I, uh, have you ever been in a room where that phrase has been, you know, if you, someone has said, um, yeah, looking at, looking at the optics on this with an upward inflection? We need to look at the optics. Yeah. I have. Yeah. And I just think, what are you? Who are you? Why? Why? Why are you? Why are you doing this to me? Um, and, uh, I know we've got HR people on the podcast. I know we've got them and I, and I do love them, but oh my goodness, uh, HR is full of this stuff. And actually, uh, when I hear ROI in HR terms, it scares me a little. It, it does. It, and I know what, what you're going to say. Uh, you know, we have to measure uh, the results. We have to measure the performance of things. Um, but I don't know. It's such a term used to measure business performance and business results I worry that it's gonna look like these people are on a spreadsheet and there's gonna be a percentage increase in this and a percentage increase in that. Um I, I don't know, I don't I don't really like uh that being used in in human human resources um in conversations about people. Yeah, it? I mean it's just a thing, it's a thing I have. It's probably wrong, but no, I No,
0: no, I, I I you raise a point. I and and it almost builds into my previous point. HR as a function sadly isn't necessarily seen as a necessity in a business. Um and sometimes they're seen as an indirect cost that is not a necessity for the performance of this organization. I use that as a paraphrase. And Again, coming back to my previous point, I think the uh, the usage of some of these cliches is going to be used by people that perhaps struggle more to articulate their return and investment in what they deliver, and that is a challenge for HR. And you know, uh, and as you say, we've got lots of listeners in HR that listen Love to this. You. Yeah, we do. Hey, and look, and I, and I lead a function that sits within an HR organisation, so you know, it it it's tricky. Um, but I also would say that HR people, if you, if you suggest, and this is, I'm just simply um, reflecting on what you've just said, with HR being a real um, uh, area of businesses that use management to speak more than others, I would argue that is possibly because they speak to more points of contact and pick up all this stuff as a filter system for the wider business. So all managers are at it. But if the most regularly spoken to function is HR for various reasons, then these people are like sponges and will try and echo the words they pick up in their workplace. Because ultimately, if we're seen as that annex to the business, they're going to want to feel part of it. So they will start adopting all this nonsense with a view to becoming more intrinsic. (laughs) I don't know.
1: Well, I think HR people have got an opportunity right now to introduce their own incredibly colourful language. And there are probably people listening to this podcast now who are in HR, I think, using some pretty colourful language, thinking, you shut your face around. Um <laughs> But I, uh, I think... It, it, I, I'm going to contradict us a tad uh, by saying I think metaphors are fabulous in... Uh, language in communication and so many of these cliches are actually metaphors I agree uh, you know so sticking to the knitting for example uh, <laughs> I've not know. had that one before haven't you heard sticking to the knitting no oh my goodness Ooh, There's a, plain I, in the I'm a I am guilty of using sticking to the knitting so in other words if someone's going way off track and going off on some sort Uh, of tangent away from the meeting no let's stick to the knitting shall we Mm. um and if you know if uh if there's something that we're trying to uh clean up uh that, that we know is a bit messy um but we're gonna we're gonna present it as something a little bit nicer uh we're polishing a turd uh or we're sticking lipstick on a pig Um, so uh, I'm, (laughs) uh, I'm, I'm thinking actually in, in good hands, uh, with good timing, these can be brilliant.
0: Yes. But I think that do do you agree? I agree. And I, and I actually think this is more of a lesson for leaders about authenticity. Yes. Because if they can create the timing element of a metaphor, it can have a much better impact or originality because the problem is these tired, long, overused sayings are now almost in legend that they are a cliche. Yeah, um, and but you
1: it- can do it. You can do it knowing it's a cliche. You know it's a cliche. Everyone else knows it's a cliche, and you can make it into a joke. Yes, which I've seen people do with great style um and it's it's timing isn't it it's 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 comedy it can be a comedy moment because they know it's a cliche everyone else does but it actually just works at that
0: moment Where, where where i do think it is more predominant is international business because the language capability supports the use of cliches so if I was to, you know, what I what I've heard in the last few days, and by the way, that's me saying this. Is what I've heard, I'm not. This is not a cliche in itself. What I've heard in the last few days, which is, a, I would say, is a cliche, is let's take that offline. <laughs> um, I quite like that one, you know. Yeah, though. but actually, that that has a, an intentional meaning, um, and we all know immediately that taking it offline. If we really break it down, it's actually taking it off of a computer that's not going to upload it in backup, and it's not going to be carried on with a wider conversation it's going to be something that's kept offline it'll be deleted afterwards um so i think some some metaphors some cliches are probably used in certain settings to help bring the meaning home but the problem is if these cliches are overused it then doesn't have the impact or authenticity that it should have and and i use the Let's take it offline as an example. In an international communication setting, that cuts through straight away. If we were talking to our British friends, can we talk about this after the meeting, please? There's a risk of it sounding abrupt. So, mm. well, I'm going to be. I'm, I'm going to have a go at being
1: a bit um, kind of back to front on something, okay. and it's. Um, I'm, I'm. I'm going to be a bit playful with it, and it's that. Is there a possibility, and that a lot of these cliches are about business performance? You know that they're about getting it over the line, um, moving the needle. You know, yeah, absolutely. And you know, we need to do the due diligence on this. Um, you know, we. I don't know. Um, we got some particularly strong headwinds here. You know, all that kind of stuff. Lots mm. of lots of different metaphors. It's about the business, and I think a lot of those, like you were saying earlier, get adopted, uh, particularly in HR, to describe the world of people. You know, the people, what they call the people agenda. Um, <laughs> so,
0: so we have That's to. <laughs>
1: So we have to be a bit careful. Uh, Timing was but...
0: good there, though. JB, don't worry.
1: Thank you, thank you. Uh, I think I think it does seem a little bit of a one-way street. So, how often do we pick up uh, cliches and metaphors and things that that are used in the people world to describe the business performance world? Rather, so turning it around the other way, I wonder what the percentage is of things that we. We steal from describing the business and allocate it to the the talking about humans, human endeavor, human potential, um, you know, getting it over the line. um, It's not a particularly great example Mm. Um, where uh, if the leader doesn't seem to have the vocabulary. Hasn't hasn't got a good level of vocabulary to describe people's lives through metaphors and stories? Um, then actually, are they just a one trick pony, and they can only use business cliches? Uh, they can't they can't actually get to know people. They don't they don't use this stuff to describe people's lives. Um, Because a lot of, I think a lot of business leaders give off, and I'm sure it's not the case, they give off that their job is to build the business, not to develop people. Mm. I come here to build a business, not to develop the people. Uh, You know, it's not that they will say that, but my God, they give it off, don't they? And, you know, we deal with a lot of executives, and I do. Mm. Um, where you know that they're not like that. You know that that's not what they're all about. They actually really do love people. Uh, they do care about the people, but they've been brought in technically to to manage this problem. They've been promoted and they've u- they continue to use the same language day in, day out about business performance and results and ROI and God knows what, but it doesn't connect. It doesn't connect easily uh with with people in the real world that's a funny old way of going about all that but what do you think about that
0: no no i i I, it, it resonates um and i think you're right i think again it comes back to this this authenticity of the individual but is there a time and a place then to call it out not in the wrong setting as in you don't want to sit in a team meeting and say don't give me that management bs is there a is there a way that a individual contributor or you as a manager challenging your manager look when you come and talk to my team can we can you just talk like you rather you know can you talk like JB rather than Mr Bradley because yeah the JB is what everyone loves they don't want and and ironically I want a it's boss a feedback <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're giving me some feedback Did, did that sound, on did, that podcast.
0: Did, um, uh, let, let's take it <laughs> offline, JB. Let's take it offline. <laughs> um, um, it, oh, but, I see. But, but, it, you need to, I need to move my needle. You do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's funny. Do you know what? And, and uh, one of my favourite bosses... Sorry, JB, I need to say our lines were crossed there. Sorry, I wanted to put that cliche <laughs> um, um One of my favourite bosses who still is my favourite boss, I'd work for again, he has been a listener to this podcast, not sure he's listening right now. Um, he was famous for it, but you could then take the piss out of him for it. So actually, he did it, to your point, for fun, um, and would use it almost intentionally because people go, oh, here we go. Um, and And in fact, this particular manager... Who you know, JB personally. Um, mm. uh, we did him, did him a birthday book of the cliches of his last year, um, and we had his pictures of all of the team with him on various gatherings and outings. And the quote under the caption was his particular cliche of the um, of of the of the month or the day. So, um, but but I think where he's concerned, put him in front of an audience. There is a risk that he would use more of it. Um, than he would have done with with us. It was complete humour, but yeah. in 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 front of audiences, <clears throat> he he may be tempted to use a cliche or six.
1: I work with a guy um, who was always claiming that they had an open door policy, but actually, if i ever went into his room, he he would he would in a very amusing way. Um, he try and because in those days we were said we were told uh, if you want to get rid of someone out of your office stand up out of your chair move towards the other person uh, gravitate towards them gravitate toward them towards the door um, and then uh, not physically manhandle them out of the office um, but uh, to assertively tell them uh, you know to to basically come back another time. Um, but this guy used to used to say, and in a bizarre way, I have a, an open door policy um and do come back another time and then would shut the door so it's like <laughs> but it was funny, but so they were precious about you know their uh kind of time and not being interrupted all the time, so they used the open door policy as a as irony, which is delicious, it's brilliant, <laughs> and it's funny. So humor there, you see, humor is so important, isn't it? To be able to navigate around those things with humor.
0: I did used to work in an open plan office um, and I had an open door policy. Um, And um, I did have a sign again for humor, which I'm going to use an expletive here, ladies and gents. It said, fuck off, I'm busy so whenever i was on a call <laughs> this was in the early days before really you know skype was used very very intermittently um but if you were in the if, you know how disruptive it can be by having constant people walking up to your desk so i used to have a framed sign that was brought out from the drawer where i needed half an hour and it just said fuck off i'm busy and it worked very nicely <laughs> um <laughs> but, but that is good but yeah but no i think you know it, it the, the cliches definitely have their place um but the reason it gets called management BS, which I guess is the title for this episode, is because people do find it gets under their skin. Um, and it's, I guess, it again, this comes back to our previous point on the whole timing issue. There's a time and a place for it. If it's used consciously rather than subconsciously, maybe it has the desired effect. But um, all too often, I think audiences that you're talking to using too much of it can start to misinterpret what you're trying to communicate to them anyway
1: let me try something with you oh no um and if if we had a column on the left and a column on the right the Mm -hmm. column on the left is 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 people based uh people perspective and the column on the right is business perspective doing doing what we need to do for the business on the right doing what we need to do for the people on the left two columns so, all you have to say in response. Uh, this, this is. Uh, we haven't rehearsed this, listeners. So, all you have to
0: do. <laughs> I'll let it out <laughs> afterwards if it's yet.
1: Or all you have to do, Anne, is say left or right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, burning the candle at both ends. People's people right, on, right? Pe- no, people on the left. Do pay attention, Anne. Sorry. People um, on the left and, and business on the right.
0: Mm. Oh, I'm going to say just a tiny bit left. Okay. It's scalable. Right. Uh,
1: best of breed.
0: Jeez, mm, left.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to use the 80-20 rule here. <laughs>
0: none of the above right yeah um this is
1: this is kind of silo thinking right okay uh it's probably okay I'll do one more mm-hmm. um a little bit more um due diligence required here ooh right yeah so um i this is to kind of support this idea that we need to be conscious of our balance because a lot of those were in the right weren't they
0: Mm.
1: we need to we need to be conscious about our balance if we're going to use cliches and metaphors either um ironically uh or you know normally we we need to be conscious that we're doing that um and if it's too weighted towards business and business performance rather than um people we we could lose our authenticity if our our approach is to care very much about the people and what what they're what they can do in the business Uh, i think that we could artificially give off uh an orientation towards just business results and not the people and i've seen that happen Mm. a lot and what you're doing is you're communicating in a way uh, that that disengages people from you if you overuse the same cliches time and time again particularly if they are business led rather than people led i have another theory which i'm going to throw out there and it's that uh, if you have a colourful portfolio of these terms, and am I talking shit now? Okay, so um, no. if you've got if you've got colourful vocabulary, you know if you've got good vocab, good cliches in in you, uh, and you can get the timing right and the delivery right, I think it could be fabulous. But I think those people know how to get the balance right between people uh, led and business led. They get they get it right. Mm. They, they know how to use. So maybe um, learn all the cliches under the sun and then use them ironically and for a bit of a laugh and then with serious intent because they exist in organisations. They are there. Um And, I don't know, have fun with it. Rather than just focusing on, you know, my top five favourite clichés, my top five favourite business clichés, then, you know, I don't think that comes across quite so well. But if you've got, you know, 50, and you just play around with them um, and use them really well, it's great. What, What I'm worried about with this is that the people who use them most become unaware that they're using them. It becomes normal. It becomes their way of communicating. They don't have the self-awareness. And I used to work with someone uh, who... He had a terrible um, ability to take a cliche and get it wrong. You know, even the simplest cliches, even things that people said on a regular basis. I used to, it's a term I use now and again, uh, and and it's agonizingly fair, um, which I inherited from somewhere and I can't even remember when. So, you know, you want to be agonizingly fair about this. You know, it's like painfully trying to make sure that it's fair and he got it wrong and even with clients, he would say, "You know that we've we've worked really hard to make this excruciatingly fair." And I'm thinking, "No, no, no, no! It's agonizingly fair, not excruciatingly fair, you idiot." <laughs> um, so it's quite funny when people get their cliche r- slightly round the wrong way.
0: Hmm. I'm acutely aware that we have, sorry to use a cliche, a hard stop um, um, in about 15, 16 minutes because you have to whiz off um, to see your doctor. Um,
1: My doctor
0: is called Dr Mash. Oh.
1: Yeah, just give give him a doctor, a name check. Dr Mash.
0: It's like the Graveyard Smash. Doctor. Um, so, should we move to listener questions? Um, Shall we? Because there are six of them, and it would be we, if we try and get through four, we can always hold back two for next week. Because um, there's some. Okay, it's, or it's, we it's, could just speed up. Uh, well, uh, let's see. Um, we could talk quickly. Okay. Now, the 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 first three are anonymous, um, uh, and um, the um yeah and number two was submitted by a woman and when i ask ask question number two that will become clear why i've made that point now first question then can anyone be a leader moving from technical specialist to a leader or accepting that you're not a leader and understanding that's okay too
1: um well my answer to that uh is no not everyone can become a leader, a good leader. I'm going to qualify that, or a great leader. And it's it's all about uh, their levels of self-awareness, awareness of others, and, and an interest in what's going on around them. You know, a, a lot of leaders uh, have those abilities to... Uh, have conversations with all stakeholders, whether they're customers, uh, shareholders, employees, whatever, just naturally, uh, abundantly curious about their worlds um, and about what happens uh, in the world generally. And, you know, they they are naturally um, interested. They might not have the leadership skills when they start off uh, on their journey, but by God, you can learn them if you have that level of uh, inquiry and interest, um, almost like a passionate interest in people and things uh, and and doing, doing good stuff uh, with those things. And I think there are, I've, sadly, there are people that exist who are psychopaths, so, sociopaths and narcissists, and, you know, they can get short-term results but god they screw up countries and businesses pretty damn quickly Mm. um so i i want to qualify this question that we've been given i'm I'm going to say a a good good or great leader uh you can have a leader that will destroy a business uh within a few years um just just by having pure self-interest um and not being interested in others that's my take on that question
0: and my take is generally in agreement with jb i'm gonna um put the spin on it with a metaphor analogy no management bullshit coming i promise you um I, i think um if we use sport as an example of good and bad managers um, you can see that some people are, for example, exceptional football players or for the US listeners, soccer players. Um, crazy people, it's football. Um, you guys play rugby, not football. Um, anyway, I digress. And there, it, it isn't uncommon for new managers that were previously superstar soccer players to fail miserably at being a leader. And I think there is a real misunderstanding that the role of a manager is 80% managing human beings and the business's performance and not your technical specialism. And therefore, I think too many people, unfortunately, are sometimes forced to take on these leadership roles because they know that's the only way up the ladder or a way to earn more money. But unfortunately, the competencies to be a leader are very unique in comparison to 99% of the technical teams or roles that you used to fill. Sadly, the incompetence of leadership can be replaced by um, micromanaging the technical processes that you as an individual contributor used to have. And I think the biggest piece of advice I can give is um, that... Leaders can be made. They're not born leaders. But I think there has to be an absolute understanding or and self-awareness in your mind that your technical capabilities only cover 20% of the job. The 80% needs to come from actually really understanding how to inspire, how to manage, how to facilitate other people's thinking effectively. Um, and I think... If you have that self-consciousness looking at the second part of your question and you recognize that actually managing people is not what you want to be doing, then that's okay. Um, Of course, what you therefore need to think about to the person asking this question is how do you hone your skills as an individual contributor to still move up that food chain if that is your intention? If your ambition is you want to move up and get on in your career, Um, without having people responsibility, then you need to give that some some serious thinking. But critically, I would say leadership is not for everybody. I have a manager working for me um, in recent times who is openly admits in confidence to me that he really struggles with the people aspect of the role. Um, And actually, his weakness is being strong and firm when he's being played. Um, you know. So there are, there, there are so many new competencies that as a technical person, you don't need to have. And I think that's why so many um, uh, you know, salespeople are promoted to manager because there is a misconception from the CEO, managing director that if this salesperson can replicate the rest of his team to do the same as she does, then we're onto a winner. That's not the case, sadly. Uh, and actually, when I first started my career as a manager, I failed miserably because I simply spent the first six weeks Telling everybody how I did my job, which was great because I did make them all, you know, improve in their performance. But actually, then when the shit starts hitting the fan and they're underperforming, you've got to have those difficult conversations. That's all of a sudden when you realise, oh, hold on a minute, it's not just creating a series of glove puppets.
1: I um, I just want to tail that uh, with uh, the best leaders that I've ever come across are forward-looking leaders forward-looking for the business, but also forward-looking for me. And, you know, that forward-looking uh, is, is all about potential and, and being intrigued and passionate uh, about the potential of, of the business, um, you know, imagining, imagining huge possibilities for the business and then having conversations with me uh, about uh, my possibilities and where I can go and what I can do. In or in or outside that business, and I I think someone who uh, really understands people and also understands the business, and it's rare because it's like a hundred percent on the people and a hundred percent on the business. These people are incredibly rare, uh, but when you when you have the experience of one of these, you damn well know it. And I think there are people who are currently in leadership roles, who should not be there uh, because they don't have the right mix, then they don't have those percentages quite right.
0: Hope that answers your question, number one. Um, Number two, reminder, this was submitted by a female. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, asked it to be anonymous, but I thought it's important to make that clarification. Imposter syndrome, why do men seem more confident than women?
1: are they are they i coached senior execs middle managers and people in organizations for 150 years now <coughs> <laughs> and so i I, I want to um i want to tell you um number two that my experience is that men behind the scenes do not feel as confident. In fact, in many cases, they feel inadequate. Uh, a lot, um, a lot of pressure and stress uh, is is in abundance in men. They feel. Um, I'm just going to bloody say this. They feel, they feel threatened by the success of others, uh, women, men, um, and it's immensely difficult for them uh, to be able to cope with that. Now, I'm not saying that every man is like that. That is not the case here. Mm-hmm. But in my own research um, and experience of these situations, men put themselves under a great deal or pressure. I think it's a historical pressure, and it is changing. So, how does that manifest in the workplace? Uh, they swagger. Uh, they present a more confident um, self at work. Uh, they present that they know it all. They present that they've got this, and they are helped by an age-old. Um, current that works in their favor as men in organizations and i'm sad to say that but yeah there is a bit a, a but it's changing mm. it's changing and it's changing fast that's my experience i'm not suggesting everyone on this podcast feels the same way um and there's still some traits of it there's some bit bad shit flying around yeah. but i don't I, i'm not sure confidence is the is is the is the right word? Um, because I don't think they are really. Uh, they might project it, but it's not what's happening behind the scenes. Um, there's a whole episode I think about the kinds of conversations um, that you can have uh, to examine these things um, and to 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 work out strategies uh, to deal with overconfident uh people and to raise your own level of confidence at the same time
0: it's ironic actually because there's another question which i'm not sure we're going to get time with given the hard stop we've got in four minutes time um oh. n- but hey but we well it depends how long you tell us how long we got but um in any case um i think ever, again jb said it all there um i would completely agree that it is a perception that there is confidence in abundance. But generally speaking, as the management bullshit that we've just been covering in the main part of the episode expresses, um, I have seen too many people that lack lack competence cover it with overconfidence uh, to the point of al- almost aggression. Um, and I think um, maybe, just maybe, um, females are more authentic about what they what they their anxieties are, which ironically gives them a better appearance to their people as being a more genuine leader and a genuine article, if I'm honest. But I would also say, um, to give balance to this question, that there are also um, um, overconfident men and women who cover up their incompetencies by power over rather than power with, amongst other things. Um, but yeah, I think... Um, that perception could also be unfortunately the case if there is a diversity issue in your organization where there are too many male leaders and an, a insignificant number of female leaders, which I think can sometimes be harmful because of the, of the, of that, that kind of setting. Um, anyway, uh, I hope we've answered that question with enough kind of thinking, um, Time for one more or have you got – how long have you got? Uh,
1: one more, but we might have to be incredibly brief.
0: Okay. Um, I'll skip to the question then that I think um, will dovetail this one a little bit. Um, why do typically bad leaders use my and I so much on, in, on social media and in their meetings, especially when talking about their my team? Um, so, you know, I, 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 paraphrasing slightly, um, I am looking for this person to join my leadership team. Um, (laughs) I think it it links nicely into the confidence trait. Um, Again, knowing... um, So this person was Sarah, and I know when I asked her for some context behind it, she ironically was referring to a woman who uses this all the time, and it really grates her um, that this particular um, leader um, uses that constantly, um, unlike other leaders... In the leadership team, who talk about "we" and our team rather than my team and I? Well,
1: this person sounds a little bit insecure to me. Uh, not not the, the number three, whatever it is, but the um, Sarah. the Sarah, leader. He's not saying. Yeah. He's not saying. Sarah, you're, you're this insecure. this yeah, this leader sounds a little bit insecure. Um, they they're stamping their mark. It's a bit narky. Um, they're weeing on a tree and I think you should call them out I think you should give them frame it nicely just say you know something there's a little bit of feedback that I'd I'd like to to give you and you know I've really thought hard about how I'm going to do it but I just want to be really honest and open and fair with you how does that sound to you okay well I'm intrigued what is it and then just say it. Just say it. This is this is this is what you said. This is how you say it. And this is how it makes me feel. Because just describe it, and I think you will be doing the, the greatest favour. And also for you, uh, I think you'll feel damn good about it uh, if you're able able to do it. Uh, sometimes we just we just need to go with these things and do something about it.
0: I scrolled up my timeline when I um, saw this question, my own, to make sure I hadn't posted anything. And it was a subtle way to say, "Aunt, you're a dickhead, which fortunately I didn't (laughs) find anything. Um, But but when I then scroll through the general timeline, there are cases of it. And actually when you read it with that lens, I have to say it does sound, it's all about me. It's not about my team. And it's all about my status and my reputation to the public on social media. That's why I really hate inflated job titles. If I ever run my own business... I would be reluctant to use the term CEO because I just think. I mean, I've you know that I was on a webinar yesterday, by the way, and the one of these speakers, uh, they were, they were remaining gender neutral. They were CEO, and I looked up their company. They've got two employees, <laughs> and one's the husband.
1: Oh, brilliant! Um, and again, brilliant. I'm
0: remaining gender neutral because that um, speaker could have been male or female, but their husband yeah, yeah. wasn't. It was an employee. And I'm imagining probably the other employee was probably the, the daughter or the son or something. But um, yeah, um, but there, there there does seem to be, I don't know, it's and, and maybe unfortunately, it's the culture we live in at the minute with social media amongst other things. Um, but if you if you respect that person and actually see that they have good traits, or or as your question suggests, a bad leader, then unfortunately, they probably are better as a technical expert than and they're probably very good at management speak as well. Um, There we go. Um, I'm conscious that JB needs to go to visit the doctor soon, but what's in your itinerary for the next few days, JB, before our next recording?
1: Well, I've got uh, podcasts to go-go. I've got book stuff. You've got another podcast? Uh, uh, I think I... Have
0: I got a podcast?
1: Um, no, I'm talking nonsense. I
0: was going to say, have you picked committed podcasts? Not a
1: podcast. No, 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 no. Oh, sorry. I didn't. Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. No, no, I'm not moonlighting, and I'm not <laughs> moonlighting. What I meant was a Zoom. Ah. I've got several Zooms um, coming up, and uh, some of those are book related. I've got a big week on with uh, Shed. This Shed has got to deliver. I've got to get it done uh, by the end of July. And it is the first of July, I think today. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, uh, I've got to crack on with it, uh, even with my poor leg.
0: So uh, yeah, that's about it this week. Are you? I take you. So in the UK, the pubs reopen, the the bars um, and restaurants reopen oh, this weekend. Are you intending to venture out? Or are you going to stay away?
1: We we've talked about it long and hard. Uh, we're going to a party on the fourth of July, a lunch party, um, and then. We're going to the pub, so please don't expect me to be available for anything on the fourth or the fifth, uh, because I'm going to be celebrating. And the other thing is that, as you know, Anne, on the fourth, I'm uh, able to shear my beard off.
0: You're going to lose it.
1: No, I'm going to. Um, I'm. I'm, I'm going to trim it down. Um, I'm, I'm going to use you as my role model and because you, you make it very neat and tidy. Whereas mine is, has gone. I've gone into Robinson Crusoe territory now.
0: So there is a barber shop in the family. Um, and I'm taking myself and my children down there on Friday this week before they open to the public for them to practice on us. <laughs> um, plus I, you know, I don't have much hair on top anyway, but I will be clippered, but I appreciate the, the tidiness you, you suggest I have. It's, not intentional, I promise. No, I
1: always, I always appreciate your beard. Yeah. I, I must, I must begin to uh, start leaving
0: the house to get to Doctor Mash. Okay. Well, in so. which case, no one cares what I'm doing for the next week. So we'll love you and leave oh. you. Oh. Oh. And um, uh. yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I tell you what, we'll talk about you all the time next time. Fine. Sounds good to me. Well, it's uh, it's, it's, uh, it's goodbye for me.
1: And. We've been scrabbling about in the low-hanging fruit today, and I hope you haven't felt that you needed to push back. Uh, I hope we've added some value and that you get some quick wins. This has been Jonathan
0: Bradley. And in my silo, I've been Anthony Price. Goodbye.